Welcome to the Inner Dominatrix Podcast, the show that gets you stepping into your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. And as always, I have another exciting guest for you. So I want you to welcome Rachel Alexandra. She is a dynamic woman, but just before we get to that, I want to give a little shout out to remind you that for the solo episodes, this is your chance to be heard, your chance to let me know what do you want me to cover? What topics are you, do you have like a burning desire for me to just go into depth and get into? So send me an email, innerdominatrix at gmail.com, or you can join the Facebook group, which is Access Your Inner Dominatrix, and put your voice in there. Let me know what's going on with you. Now, let's dive into our conversation. So Rachel Alexandra, let me just do a little introduction. This woman is a leadership and power guide who rises, who, sorry, helps rising leaders on their path through stories and transformational experiences. She's worked as a licensed psychotherapist for nine years before she's fully embraced her wholeness as a spiritual teacher and guide. She's, of course, published a best-selling book, Woman Overboard, Six Ways to Avoid Conflict and One Way to Live Drama-Free in 2014. And she's working on her second book, Who's in Charge of Your Brain, an Illustrated Mind Hack. Welcome, Rachel. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay, I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. So what has brought you to, you know, wanting to talk about living, you know, the conflict, avoiding conflict and living drama-free? Well, you know, <laughs> I used to be a master conflict avoider, <laughs> and so I was I was extremely skilled at it, and uh, I thought it was this this great way to keep the peace in my relationships. And I thought that right up until it wrecked a business partnership and my marriage. Mm. So I started. I basically dedicated myself to never avoiding conflict again because I saw, hey, that that does not work. <laughs> <laughs> that does not keep my relationships safe. In fact, it sabotages them. And it's so important to realize that there's like, you know, those things that we think that we're doing to make ourselves safe are often the things that are ruining our lives and, and robbing us of joy. Right? Yeah. I love that line from Kung Fu Panda. You know, a man often meets his destiny on the road he takes to avoid it. <laughs> so true. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I can completely relate to that because, you know, that's, that's been a lot of my journey as well. You know, some of the times of avoiding something and then all of a sudden, you know, the universe has a warped, perverted sense of humor mm. and lands you smack where you're supposed to be. Not always in a nice way, though. Not really. Yeah. So I try to partner with the universe rather than running away and getting <laughs> yanked out by my ankle. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to say I'm getting better at that, but uh, I do tend to like the hard road. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, you know, what's, what's the drive? Like why, you know, why else are like, other than your story, why are you so passionate about teaching women how to face their conflicts? Well, you know, when I started exploring my own experience with that, I, I realized it was just sort of like I had this epiphany because I could look all around me. I was working with clients, you know, so I'm hearing all their stories. I'm an extrovert, so I'm, you know, I hear lots of stories from many different friends. And I realized how most women and men actually 
don't know how to deal with conflict. Like there's just so much um, wasted time and miscommunication and fear. Mm. And it doesn't have to be that way. Like I used to think it did because I was scared. So I was like, well, I don't want to go that way. So here's the best road. But once I realized, once I started, you know, um, experimenting and reading and researching with how to do this better, I finally felt free. I no longer felt scared of expressing exactly what I wanted to say, you know, on social media or in person. Yeah, I, I just, there was this huge, like, openness in my heart when I finally knew that I could deal with whatever came up as a, as a consequence of my action or inaction in the world. You know, I could, whatever happens, like if I screw up or somebody else screws up or I get misunderstood or somebody's mad at me, I can roll with it. I know what to do with it without giving myself up. And I thought, you know, so many people don't, it's like one of those things when you get free, you know, you're the bird outside the cage and you look back (laughs) and you see all the birds in the cage. You're like, let me show you the door. (laughs) Yes. And how to open this door by yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And, And you talk about, you know, how to change something with one simple question. Are you willing to share what that of question course, is? Of course, of course. Well, so the basic is, why are we afraid of conflict? My theory is we're afraid of it because it's chaotic. It's unpredictable, and that's what makes it scary. Like, we don't know how people are going to react. We don't know how we're going to react. And so there's one question that you can actually ask, like when you're in the midst of something, like somebody's upset with you, or, you know, and they're and they're you know, you're in an argument on social media or you're having an argument, you know, your boss is saying something to you or your spouse or whatever. You're in that situation where you're starting to feel that trigger. Oh God, you know, here's this thing. Ah, and we're, we're like stuck in it. There's one question that you can ask that disrupts the chaos. And the question is, what is your intention? So saying that to somebody when they're all ramped up in a fight with you <laughs> is really fascinating. Like, if, I mean, you can't say it in a snarky way, right? What's your intention? Say. Yeah, no, no. You got it. What's your you intention, Eddie? <laughs> it's basically, you have, to find, you have to source a little bit of curiosity because curiosity is what disrupts the chaos. Mm. So if you can source even just a little bit and say, hey, so let me just, ask for clarity's sake, what's your intention in having this conversation with me right now? (laughs) What's fascinating? So I would tell you a story. I I did that once when I was, you know, still developing more of this work. Somebody was, I was locked in, it was like during the the political election phase that seemed to be going on forever. And somebody on the same side of the aisle as me, but favoring a different candidate was just ramped up into this big argument with me online. And this is not new. Like we've, I know where she sits. She knows where I sit. And I'm just sort of like, wait, what are we doing? Why are we having this conversation? So I said that. I said to her, let me just check in. What's your intention in having this conversation with me? And she sort of paused and then she's like, oh, I was just really avoiding doing my taxes. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, can we stop talking about this then? Because you're not changing my mind. I know I'm not changing yours. I'm not interested in wasting time through having arguments. 
I mean, clearly you are, so that's, you know, good for you, but I, can I opt out of this now? And I did it to someone else uh, in person, a, a good friend of mine, where we're, you know, when you have like a, a new good friend and you're like finding all out about each other and, yeah. and he's, um, he's very intellectual and provocative and he's a, a white guy in his fifties. And so there's just this generational gap in terms of him kind of getting up to speed on sort of this third wave of feminism and how to be an ally for people of color and stuff. And he starts this, we're in the car, I'm dropping him and his daughter off. And he starts this conversation with me five minutes before we're in his car. And he's like, I just don't know that Black Lives Matter is doing the right thing with that name. And immediately I'm just like, you know, like <laughs> totally in my trigger. Like, what right is it of yours to follow? You know, I didn't go there, but that's what my brain starts doing. Gives yeah. me all these like, it's not yours to say and you need to be a better outlet, whatever. <laughs> so I, we say a couple things back and forth. I'm trying to keep my cool. His nine-year-old daughter's in the car, you know, <laughs> we don't have time to have this, this discussion in a productive way right now. So we get, we get out of the, I'm just like, okay, you got to go talk to you later. And then I texted him on my way home and I'm like, actually when I got home, I said, what, let, let me just check in. What's your intention in having this conversation with me? And it's the same thing. He's like, oh, well, I don't know. Let me think about that. Yeah. Okay. Please do. Because <laughs> I didn't say that. But in my head, I'm like, please do. Because the truth is when we don't know what our intention is for any conversation, we're certainly never going to meet a goal, right? You can't meet a goal when you don't know what the goal is. For sure. So asking what's your intention disrupts that sort of automatic back and forth lawyer debating kind of mentality that's just sort of, no, hear me. No, you hear me. No, you hear me. <laughs> and, and invites people into thinking about what do you really want right now? Is it something that you can get from me or that I can give you? You know, or is it something you need to give yourself or do you need to refocus? It's really powerful. And and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I, like most of the people that I interact with are, you know, very much in the same vein as I am in which, you know, we're striving to be bettering ourselves and, you know, open-minded and that kind of thing. But I'm wondering if this is, if there's maybe the type of person that we should be aware of that this would not be appropriate with, like, you know, mm -hmm. that extreme narcissistic mm -hmm. personality is what mm -hmm. comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in those cases, is there a better question or is there a better way or what would you suggest? You know, so when I teach about conflict, I, I teach a whole course about this and uh, in the, in the reissue of my book, when I, when I do that, I'm going to add this piece of curriculum about difficult people because it really, you're totally on point. It really is a whole different methodology. And just for the folks who don't, entirely know, well, how do I know if it's a difficult person or if I'm just not being blah, 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 right? Because mm -hmm. part of what happens when you deal with extremely difficult people like your, and you know, not to overly stereotype, but in general, your narcissistic personality disorder folks, your um, borderline personality disorder folks, and then there's people kind of on the spectrum of that. They're actually excellent at making relatively healthy people doubt their own perspectives. <laughs> it's one of their coping mechanisms. Yes. That's actually how they get through the world. So 
that's when I discovered when I was healing from a narcissistic relationship myself was a healthy person. When you say to them, Hey, I think you should look at this in yourself. The healthy person goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I should look there. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the ways that you know, you're dealing with a chronically difficult person is if they use your authenticity against you. That is one of my primary red flags. If, if you offer something out of authenticity, hey, you know, I'm, feel, I'm starting to feel sad that we're in this argument or, hey, I want to take a step back and reassess, you know, are we, are we hurting each other here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. A difficult person, especially someone with a um, chronic personality disorder, is very likely to use that against you instead of soften with compassion. So that's just a... That's just a FYI for your listeners mm-hmm. who don't. I'm sure you know that, but a lot yeah, of people no, don't. It's, a, it's great to explain that because, you know, and I find no matter how many times that I explain it, it, like it still takes multiple times of hearing it, multiple people saying it. Mm. You know, because when I say to people, you know, it's like you, you may never get through. And in fact, I, I don't yeah. ever believe you can get through to a no. narcissist, an extreme no. narcissist. And so, but so many people are just um, resistant Right. Receiving that. Yeah. Well, so part of what I teach is like the whole focus of my course, Power Embodied, which is all about how to handle conflict, is focus your attention on the area where you're likely to get what you're seeking. People get so wrapped up in it should be this way. I mm-hmm. should be able to blah, blah, blah. You know, this person should respond this way. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Look at what's actually happening and make adaptations based on that. That is how you move through the world with flow and success. So when you see someone who routinely treats you a certain way, (laughs) or who routinely is going to respond to difficult conversations with, you know, gasoline, just know that they're going to do that. I mean, if there's a miracle someday, great, and you can be pleasantly surprised. That's awesome. But yeah, you and I both know narcissists and, and borderline folks will not change. That is why it is called a chronic mental health disorder. It will mm. not change without extensive, very thorough therapy. Yeah. And usually they don't do that. So, Well, they're, they're never wrong. So how would, where would they ever go for therapy? <laughs> Sometimes they do, but yeah. you'll know Rare. if they're doing it. Like they'll, be, yeah. they'll be working on you know, very intensive dialectical behavioral training. And yeah. yeah, so you'll know if it's happening. And so if, it's not, you know, if you don't see anything about that, trust that they're going to be the same. But this is what the good news is. They're predictable, right? Mm. So that's what gives you your power back. Like, sure, they're volatile and, and, you know, prone to flying off the handle about this and that and turning things on you, but they're always going to do that. So you just know how they're going to be and you have the ability to make adaptations and step out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. Just like playing a video game, like even if you're playing against, I don't know what, Donkey Kong, and he's this huge monkey throwing barrels, but <laughs> there's a rhythm and a pattern, and he's always going to throw barrels. So yeah. you learn to work with that pattern. So when I teach about working with difficult people, that's part of what I say. I mean, you, you really want to dial down the authenticity and dial down the compassion and dial up the power and sometimes the charm. Like basically, you have to be really clear on what it is you're going trying to get and see if that's reasonable 
as something to get from that person. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, you're basically deciding to manipulate them in your favor. I love it. This is it's very on, in line with, with what I teach you know, my clients as well in, in how to handle whatever narcissist they happen to have in their life. Um, and once we get past the resistance of like, oh my God, I can't manipulate somebody. Um, <laughs> you know, but like, every well, conversation is manipulation if yeah, we're honest with ourselves. Yeah, you know? like you're, it's always the art of persuasion. Um, exactly. Dialing it up or dialing it down. And you know, would right. you like to be manipulated or be the manipulator? Exactly. So it's a choice. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. And I think it's sort of like how people are worried about money being evil. And I'm like, Ugh. if you have good intentions, wouldn't you rather be the one with the money? Yeah. You know, I mean, rely on yourself, have compassion for yourself and trust in yourself. I know when I'm manipulating someone for my own positive effect, my goals are not to harm that person. Mm-hmm. You know, my goal is to, is as if possible to create a win-win scenario and maybe the win-win is just, we're not trying to take each other's heads off and we can like flow past each other into our days. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. I would rather be the one in power knowing that I'm going to use it with a good heart. That's a, that's a really nice spin with that. I, I think people can really connect to that idea of, you know, just stepping back into your power, right? Of course, mm-hmm. I love that theme, of course, because that's, that's where I come from, is getting people to really step in. Right. <clears throat> right, step into their authentic power. Oh, I was just, I'm excited because I, yeah, I love that you're teaching that too. And sometimes we should compare notes about, <laughs> I would love to hear like how you're doing it. And because so few people are teaching this, I think, you know, they teach about empowerment, but not just power. Like women can just be powerful. Yeah. It's okay. There is space and room for that. And, and it's not a bad thing. You do it with heart. Yeah. And that's, that is part of my thing is that, you know, I, I love to imp- use the dominatrix as an archetype mm. in which it's the feminine power and embracing your feminine power. And as women, it's not a power over. Mm-hmm. But it is it is this idea of being able to stand and being the immovable force that is compelling and magnetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you compel others to work with you. You compel others to to come and do your bidding if you're the dominatrix. And mm-hmm. you know, that compelling force as opposed to coming in and trying to squash anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I learned this from actually equine coaching, which is like Mm. working with horses. It's that power with instead of power over. Oh, that's so applicable. You know, if anybody's ever does any work with horses, that's incredible. You, You do need to stand in your power. The horses want you to be the leader. They want to know that you're like, you're going to be there, but it is, you know, they are going to meet you equally and, and they're going to completely reflect whatever it is that you've got going on in your universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scared the crap out of me the first time. I, I, felt, I felt very exposed. I was like, I'm so good with dogs. I'll be great with horses. Uh, no, dogs are predators and they have pack leaders. Horses are prey. Yeah. And they're communal in a different way. And so it was like, oh boy, okay, I can't just push this. Like, Yeah, profound. they're incredible, incredible animals. I, in the living in the in town, I have no space for a horse. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a five hundred square foot apartment. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's no horses in here. Definitely no space for a horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
what else, like what else can we give the listeners, um, you know, to really help them to move out of this conflict avoidance mm-hmm. and feel, feel like they want to move into conflict? Like, can we take the stigma out of conflict? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think, again, conflict, why they're afraid of it is because it's chaotic. But when you start to step, it, it's, how do I say this? It's it's the same notion of like, if you decide to be in power around it, like to, to actively take choice instead of passively let something move you, right? Mm-hmm. It's like steering into the skid. Like if your car is skidding, don't throw your hands up in the air and just sort of be like, well, I hope the accident doesn't kill me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like take control of the wheel and and steer into the skid so that you can actually reorient as quickly as possible. So it's the same, it's, it's right in line with the same things you and I both teach, which is when you arm yourself with the right knowledge and practice, you will be very capable of reorienting whatever's happening, you know, getting yourself out of the trigger as quickly as possible. This is, so in my book, (laughs) Woman Overboard, I have this whole metaphor of sort of like a storm at sea Mm -hmm. because the the book really teaches like a, a format. It's a four quadrant way, like plan basically to, to prepare ahead of time for difficult conversations. Cause we all have, you know, those two or three or four hot topics that always trigger us, you mm-hmm. know, or not topics, but sort of themes. Like one of mine is angry men telling me that I'm stupid mm. in one way or another. That's been one of my like super easy triggers. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people don't like that, but that's just one of the ones that, you know, it pushes the button and I'm just like flooded. So I teach how to prep for that ahead of time in the book. So, and it became this little life raft metaphor. Like it's, it's a, um, a rescue ring. You know what I mean? The thing you were on your boat and you throw it out overboard. Yeah. You're like, save yourself. <laughs> so, so, um, the first thing you have to do is emotionally resource yourself, emotionally, mentally, and physically, like know how to kind of get re afloat so you're not drowning, right? Mm-hmm. But then the other part I realized, and this is what therapy doesn't often teach, is you actually have to erect a sail on your little life raft so you can get out of the storm. Otherwise, you just keep rescuing yourself emotionally, but then you're still being tossed around and you have to kind of keep getting back on the raft again wouldn't you rather learn how to sail knowing that storms happen? Yeah, that, that's, it's a great analogy because it is. I mean, we have continual storms and if we're building up the muscle to, to actually handle that conflict in a way that, you know, creates a possible better outcome, mm-hmm. you know, then, then we've got, we can keep building on that and keep, you know, getting getting better, getting better at sailing. Exactly. Which is exactly how I did it. You know, the first time I confronted a conflict instead of avoiding it in one way or another, I was terrified, you know, I was shaking, but I just breathed through it knowing, Hey, it's like anything else. It's like riding a bike or learning how to skate or, you know, rock climbing. Like it's going to be scary in the beginning. Of course it is. It's new. It's unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. But every time you practice and use your experiences as that living laboratory, you get better. Absolutely. And, you know, I always like to let people know it's like, go ahead and make a mess. Right. 
right? Go ahead and be messy. You know, when you're, if you're teaching, you know, you've got kids and when they're first learning to walk, it's like, how many times do they fall down? You know, they fall down just hundreds of times before they actually get it and they're mm-hmm. walking. Mm-hmm. It, for some reason, when it comes to ourselves and we're trying to learn some new skill, we think we should be able to do it perfectly right out of the gate. And it's like, that's not fair. I know. Where did that mentality come from? Like, I don't what, know. But where we did we get that out. notion? <laughs> I know. I tell, yeah, I do that with my clients too. It's like, where did that crap come from? Because it's so not life. It's so not human. No one does anything perfectly the first time right out of the gate ever, which all it does is stop us from trying. Yeah. You know? And then I have a funny little thing about perfect. Cause I always say, um, setting yourself up to be perfect is that you will always settle for second best. Mm. <laughs> Cause there's or no never having thing. done it. Yeah. Well, there's no such thing as perfect. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You can never be perfect. So you can only ever be second best. Right. So you're, yeah. you're like, you set yourself up in that beginning to, to never be good enough, to never be good enough. And then of course, right. that's the whole, you know, slippery slope of self-judgment and all that crap. Totally. So if we give ourselves permission to do it wrong. And I will often say like, make the biggest mess of it you can. Yeah. Because if you go out there and you like take all that weight off of trying to do it perfect and you know, like, okay, it's all right to make a big mess of it. Mm-hmm. Um, then you learn. Mm-hmm. and you grow mm-hmm. and you're like okay cool so that sort of worked but that didn't and next mm-hmm. time I want to do it like this and you know it untangles it for people mm-hmm. yeah I have a client who just uh, got out of a long-term very loving relationship and that was really hard to end but it was the right thing and she just went on her first date yesterday and she's like I don't expect anything out of this other than it's my first and you know getting over that and moving forward yeah which is basically what happened, you know? <laughs> but I love that. I was like, that's fantastic. It what is fantastic. Cause I know mindset. people who have gone out on dates and like before the date even happens, they're analyzing, Ugh. you know, all the pros and cons and does, and figuring out why this person would never be a fit. Oh, it's so exhausting. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, well, maybe you should just have coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know maybe get to know them. And, you maybe know, be in the present moment instead of trying moment. to be in yeah. some sort of future. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, like, give them a chance to screw up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, that's the great thing, too. Like, bringing you back to this idea about conflict, the more you have skills on board, like, I have, I just know now I have these unconscious, conscious and unconscious habits that I have built into my brain so that I can just be present. I don't have to watch the horizon all like suspicious and wary for any sign of conflict. I'm just like, no, I can just be here. Oh, looks something's happening. Okay. That was unexpected. Oh, part of me scared. Okay. Resource myself. Okay. All right. So now let's step in this way or let's use this technique. You know, it Uh. just means I get to not, yeah, not be all pre-anticipatory and, you know, <laughs> yeah. running scenarios all the time because that yeah. just, yeah, it takes up a lot of mental space. It is. It takes a lot of work. It's, you know, it's like your computer running with 15 programs in the background. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, everything runs slowly. So um, anyway, I realize I'm just realizing the time and, mm. you know, we're 
we're running off and I know we could just like go down this path because you and I have the same <laughs> mindset with, yeah. with this kind of thing and, and we could talk for hours. So let's, um, let's do a little shout out for, you know, where do people find you and, and the program that you've got coming up? Sure. So uh, people find me at Rachel Alexandria. It's R-A-C-H-E-L-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-I-A.com. And the, the program that I've been referencing is called Power Embodied. So you can find it at rachelalexandria.com slash power. I have one other thing. I just will mention that I have a, a bigger circle that I'm putting together with my co-collaborator, Vedic astrologer Kathleen Whalen, and it's called Women, Prosperity, and Power. So I'm bringing in my tools all around power, and she's bringing in tools around prosperity, and we're running this three-month mystery school starting in July. So that's at uh, womenprosperitypower.com. Lovely. Oh, those, both all of those programs sound fantastic. And I want to thank you once again, Rachel, for coming on the show. Uh, this has been a delight and you've given the listeners some great you know, tools and some ideas, you know, shifting their mindset around conflict and leaning in instead of running away. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm excited for your work as well. So I'm, I'm glad we're both out there, you know, moving the needle. For sure. Thanks for tuning in to The Inner Dominatrix, the show that lets you step into your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to tell your friends about it. And if you're ready to own your inner dominatrix, then hop over to my website, innerdominatrix.com and let's have a conversation to get you rocking your bold, sexy, fun-filled life.